to Psalm 98. Psalm 98. We're going to be studying from that passage for a moment. It was reported that we were at Seven Hills this morning, but like a lot of things, you can't always believe what you hear. We weren't there, uh, but have no fear. We were at the barrel. You know what the barrel is? You familiar with Tim Hawkins, the humorist? It's Cracker Barrel. We, now, you're, now you're like, what in the world? Don't worry. We, we had church at Cracker Barrel. We were sitting there at the table and had a wonderful spread. And, and then right here to my side, there was a, a, a small family, and they pulled up the church service. And, boy, they were, they were going to town with the church service there right next to us. And it was, well, well quite frankly, it was driving me nuts. Uh, it, they would talk louder, and then they would have to turn the volume up. And then it's like they kept talking louder. Choose, do you want to talk with one another? Do you want to listen to this sermon? I'm not sure either of those conversations were much worth listening to, but there you had it. Um, but in all seriousness, we were at Lake Drive this morning and uh, enjoyed our visit there with, uh, with uh, the brethren. And haven't been to Lake Drive in a lot of years, and so it was, it was nice to see some folks that we hadn't talked to in a while. It's good to be back here this afternoon and to study together uh, and to sing together. Uh, just a few minutes here in Psalm 98. Last week, we spent some time Sunday night looking at a psalm where we reflected on uh, God's greatness in times of struggle, difficulty, tragedy. And in Psalm 98, we have some action that has taken place. We don't know exactly what it was, but, but some event has taken place where God's people are excited. In fact, they're so excited that they are, are ready to praise and honor God. Now, we believe that with the context of, of the surrounding psalms, that probably what we're looking at here is a celebration of God's people making their way back to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, if that's the case, and it very well could be, then we can understand, no doubt, in our study of, of the text, how exciting it must have been for these folks to get home. There's always something special about going home. And here they were. Let's read through Psalm 98, just nine verses. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all of the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar, the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. And as you read through that psalm, perhaps you're thinking, there it is, there's the evidence. We can clap in our worship and we can use trumpets in our worship and harps or who wants a harp in worship? Why not just have an electric guitar? Wouldn't that be better than a harp? But here it is. Here's the Bible passage that's, that talks about this instrumental music in worship. Well, it does talk about that. That's not really the point of our discussion, but I am going to mention it in a moment. 
But if you look through this text, maybe your, your, your mind does as mine and your eyes do as mine and, and your hand does as mine and you pick up that pen or pencil and you start to make some marks based on what you see and, and as you see this text just kind of unravel before your eyes as you read it. And there are some phrases and words that just, just pop out in the text. For instance, I've circled the word Lord or God a number of times in the text. You see it in verse 1, Lord. Verse 2, Lord. Verse 3, God. Verse 4, Lord. Verse 5, Lord. Verse 6, Lord. Verse 9, Lord. There are some other terms that appear in the text that are a reference directly to God, but those are the words that we commonly think of as we reflect on the name of God, Lord and God. I also see this expression used a couple of times here, seeing unto the Lord. That's verse 1. Verse 5, seeing unto the Lord. And so that's what we're doing tonight. We're singing, focusing our attention on singing. And then verse 4, there's another phrase that's repeated, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Verse 6, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In fact, we see that same expression in Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Another way of saying it is, give God a blast or a shout or make a loud noise. In fact, in this text, it even uses that expression uh, of it being a loud noise to God. Well, another thing that really pops out in this text is who God is. For instance, as I look at this passage, I see that God is... Well, God is a Savior. You look in verse 2, The Lord hath made known His salvation. Verse 3, All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So God is a Savior in Psalm 98. But not only that, when I jump down to verse 6, I learned that God is a King. Did you see that? With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. And then finally, I see in verse number 9 that he's not only Savior and King, but he's also Judge before the Lord, for he cometh uh, to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. All of these things just, just pop out of the text. Nine verses, but full of so much content. But we can go even deeper than that. And when we look at verse 1, we see that God was an incredibly successful leader. Is an incredibly successful leader. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Why? For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, strength, his holy arm, his holiness, rightness, hath gotten him the victory. If this is, in fact, talking about God's people making their way from Babylon uh, all the way back to Jerusalem and, and reconquering the land, if you will, then we see God leading his people back home, a successful leader. But he is a successful leader who was righteous. Look at verse number 2. The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. This is impressive to me. What God was doing, whatever it was that he was doing in leading this people to victory, everybody, as we say, everybody and their brother saw it. Even the heathen saw it. 
And there could be no question in the mind of, of men as to whether or not God was doing the right thing. You know, I, I can remember being a kid at, at home and, and my dad would, would lead us in some way or maybe mom would lead us in some way and I think, man, they don't have a clue what they are doing. And as I got a little bit older, still living at home, I, I thought that even more and more. But now that I'm adult, I look back and I, I say, well, they kind of did know a little bit more than I gave them credit for. But the point is, whatever it is that God is doing, God is leading the way, there is no question in anybody's mind as to whether or not God knows what he is doing. Sometimes we question God, don't we? Don't. Don't question him. Don't, don't worry about whether or not he's getting it right, in other words. Because he always has. He always will. Because he's righteous. But then, in verse number 3, he is the leader who is righteous, successful leader who is righteous, and who extends mercy. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth. He's merciful and he's honest toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Again, there's no question about his greatness. And there's no question about what that righteous, holy, powerful arm does for his people. He brings people to salvation based on his truth. And because of all of that, because of his excellent leadership, because of his righteousness, because of his, yes, his holiness, because of his mercy, because of all of these things, you folks stop and praise him and honor him. Again, verse 1, Sing unto the Lord a new song. It's not talking about just coming up with a new song and writing a new song. That's, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that here we are, we're celebrating victory. It's time to open our mouth and sing praise afresh. It's time to do it again. We've done it before. We've praised God before. Now is a new opportunity to praise him again. But I can't help but wonder, in a moment like this, and there have been many, there are many in the preceding and the Psalms coming after this one where we find God's people praising him in song. And I can't help but wonder, were there any Pauls in the group? Were there any folks in the group that were writing new songs? Were there any folks in the group that were saying, let's, let's, let's hear some of those old, those old gospel favorites? Were any in the group? Were there any in the group, maybe like the young people, saying, hey, can we sing some of the songs that we like to sing at camp? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But if, if those folks are anything like us folks, then i got to believe that they probably would have enjoyed singing a little bit of all of it. You know, we like to sing some of all of it, don't we? We may even do that tonight. Something brand new, something that's old, Something that's newer that maybe we don't sing as much of? Well, they were singing a song afresh because they were excited about the victory that they celebrated together. And then as you're singing, he says, the psalmist, make that noise a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Give God a shout. Give God a, a blast. <laughs> I've been in places where... 
the singing was so loud and, and, and there would be, you know, one or, or two or maybe three people that you could really hear above the crowd. And I don't know that they're doing that because they're just wanting to be heard. I really, because I want to give folks, always want to give folks the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe it's because this, this passage has been so impressed upon their hearts that they just want to give God a blast. They want to give him a shout, just like he told them to. Sometimes I watch as, uh, as we're in situations like that where maybe someone's singing a little bit louder than, than someone else, and sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a young one that, that wants to look around and, who is, who is that yelling in the church house? Who is that? And sometimes, let's face it, adults, we do that too, don't we? Who, who is that? I remember we had a guest that would come on occasion down in Georgia and, and had just a beautiful voice. You always knew when she was there because you could hear that voice. But you didn't mind it, obviously, because she was worshiping God, number one, but number two was just so beautiful. And so giving God a shout, giving him a, a blast, making a joyful noise. And then it says, all the earth do this. All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. All the earth, all the peoples of the earth. Now we transition a little bit. And we start to, to see some, some, uh, some non-people coming into the mix with respect to this worship to God. And the first example of that is the harp followed by the trumpets and the sound of the cornet. There's no question about it. There were occasions in scripture in which it was accepted, even commanded to incorporate the instrument in the worship. Well, what about today? I know I'm speaking to a, a biblically educated audience. We understand, of course, that, that we live under a new law, a new covenant. And under that new covenant, the Bible tells us in about 14 places, if memory serves me right, that whenever we praise God in worship, we, we sing. It doesn't say we play. It doesn't say we sing and play. It just says that we sing. And so we, we do that. Ah, oh, wait a second, Neil. What about in Revelation when they were, when they were playing the harps in, in heaven? That's in the New Testament. I know it. You got me. Revelation is a New Testament book, and yes, there was an instrument involved in that worship. But go back and look at the context. Where were they? They weren't on the earth. They weren't in the church house. They weren't outside the church house. They were in heaven. And also, in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us that these things were written in signs and in symbols. And so I don't think... Actually, I can back that up. I know there aren't going to be any mechanical instruments in heaven because those types of things, what? They'll burn up. They'll burn up. They'll be destroyed. Well, go a little further here. This is, this is really neat. Verse number seven. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. How many ocean goers do I have in the audience? How many of you like to go to the ocean? Well, we said, uh, there are a few, a few. 
I'm more of a mountain kind of guy myself. I'd rather go to the mountains than go to the ocean. But I've been to the ocean a few times. And you go out in the ocean, and, and uh, uh, what do you like to do when you go to the ocean? Well, maybe you like to build a sandcastle. Maybe you just like to sit and read. Maybe you like to, uh, maybe you like to fish. Uh, I've never fished in the ocean. My dad used to do that. Caught a shark one time, but I've, I've never fished in the ocean. Be fun. But when you go to the ocean, is it quiet? Is it quiet at the ocean? No, it's not quiet. You hear the, you hear the roar of the ocean and those waves come and, and, and when, the, when they get high, they come crashing in. Well, that's what's being talked about here. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And in context, we're talking about the sea, those waves crashing on the beach. And, and it's as if they were singing praise to God. Even the sea is praising God. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. One translation I was looking at had a reference to where it said the floods there, it was, it was a river. And if you stood out on a stream or, or a river and, and you, just, you just stood there and you, and you tried to block everything out except for that stream, you would hear it's kind of noisy. And that water would, it'll, it'll hit little stones, maybe big stones. It'll reshape its flow there as it hits those stones, making its way down, um, uh, down the way. That noise that, that is created by the stream. And then let the hills be joyful together. You go up into the hills, what, what, does, uh, what does she say? The hills are alive with the sounds of music. Well, maybe, but when you go up into the hills or into the mountains, and again, you just quiet yourself, you hear all kinds of things. You hear birds. You hear animals. I told you I like to go into the mountains as opposed to the beach. I remember being on the hillside one time, and I was deer hunting, and, and here I am, and I'm, I'm, right, I'm right at the base of a tree up on the hill, not, not in a stand, but in a great position because all the deer like to come down the fence line where I hunted, we had some, still have some property in West Tennessee, coming, coming down this fence line over here. And they make their way right into a little ravine area. And here I am hunting and, and I, hear, I hear that sound. I hear that sound. Oh, it's just, this is gonna be good. You hear it. Something's stepping on those leaves and then you realize it. Not deer. It's those annoying squirrels. That's, it's the squirrel. That's what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing the deer sound. I'm hearing the squirrel. And then I get irritated. Well, if you're in the, in the hills, if you're in the mountains, you're going to hear sounds. Well, let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful, making noise together. Everybody and everything can, should, does praise God. Nature does it naturally. God, have you ever thought about that? God created nature to praise him, and it does it naturally. It naturally makes a joyful noise, gives God a shout or a blast naturally. And God has done some marvelous things for us. And so therefore, 
we can and we should praise him, making a joyful noise, giving him a shout as well. And finally, in verse number nine, before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Again, God's going to judge us based not on our goodness, but he's going to judge us based on our faithfulness and his righteousness. When it comes time for us to stand before the judgment bar of Christ, God's not going to make a mistake in a judgment. He's not. And if, we're, if we've been found faithful based on our uh, beginning with our penitent faith and baptism, if, if we've been found faithful to his, to his word for the balance, the duration after our having become Christians, he's not going to make a mistake. He's going to say, come, and we're going to praise him again. But if we never obeyed the gospel, and if we weren't faithful to him after having obeyed the gospel, he won't make a mistake in his judgment then either. Depart from me, cursed, into everlasting fire. I never knew you. What will it be for us? Think about it. Together we stand and as we sing.